This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, 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 and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, oh please don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A podcast about TikTok brought to you by Rolling Stone. So we we took a week off. Welcome back to us. Um yeah. in honor of New Year's. Brittany, how was your New Year? What did you do? It was good. Year? I mean, I ended up staying in New York for all the holidays this year, um, which was a plan I made before the COVID surge of of December, but I ended up being very thankful for that. So I mostly just like hung around my apartment, which I loved. And most of my friends got COVID early on. I somehow evaded it. And so I spent New Year's with all of my antibody-filled friends. Um, so we had a very nice little time. How Your was yours? Instagram stories were like incredibly envy-inducing. <laughs> like I, ha- I have to say, it was just like all of these hot people like crowded around singing Robin yeah. I was extremely, I was watching them from like, cause, cause I had COVID and my whole family had COVID and we were still quarantining at that point. And I was just yeah. like under the covers, like watching people's Instagram stories from New <laughs> Year's Eve, like they're in Miami or like, uh, and you know, I don't even like New Year's Eve that much. Like I thought it would be Me like neither. a good, I thought it would be a good excuse, like having COVID and, and quarantine, yeah. like good excuse not to observe this holiday that has traditionally been very like pressure filled for me. But no, like I was incredibly jealous of everybody who was doing fun things on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, like it was it was nice to sort of have like it was like a little like it was like a small thing. And it was a lot of, you know, my best friends there. And it was it was nice that like everyone was sort of like on the same page. It was there was like like only like a few of us had hadn't gotten it yet. But we had been home literally like for the last two weeks. We were just like, okay, like we'll go with the antibody friends. Like we'll take all the rapid tests like right before we go. And then. We will have uh, like a party, and so it was a nice, it was a nice little like little close friends type of type of event. So it was actually like one of the better New Years I've had because most of them are stressful. So I was seeing um, while I was home, I was seeing a lot of you know content from people in New York City who were you know testing positive for Omicron on my for you page, which is further evidence that the algorithm knows you better than you know yourself because yeah. this was happening before I tested positive. But what else were you seeing on TikTok over the break that we're that we're going to talk about today? I mean, it's funny that, you know, we've talked a lot about how our For You pages have moved away from dance trends, right? Like mm-hmm. we, you know, it's and also TikTok itself has largely moved away from dance trends. But I was really shocked because there was one dance trend that I kept getting um, religiously on my For You page over the last couple of weeks. And it was for Caroline Polachek, So Hot, You're Hurting My Feelings. Do you know that song? <laughs> No, can you explain who she is? Because she's that kind of artist to me. Like, 
Like, I would have gotten her confused with, like, a Lucy Dacus or a Phoebe <laughs> Bridgers before, like, Phoebe Bridgers blew up. Like, they, those those types of artists are, like, interchangeable to me. And I know they're super different, but, like, yeah. so this might be just, like, internalized misogyny talking. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, if, if you could sort of explain who Caroline Polachek is, because I know she's been around forever. Yeah. So if you ever heard of or listened to the band Chairlift, the indie pop group from like the mid aughts, Mm -hmm. that is where she first cut her teeth. So Caroline was in Chairlift and she released some solo music while she was in Chairlift, but under pseudonyms. And one of the biggest career moves she made was she started to write and produce songs for other artists. Um, She famously wrote Beyonce's No Angel and an interlude on Travis Scott's Birds in the Trap Sing McKnight. And She released this album, Pang, in 2018, late 2018. And it was like a big breakthrough moment for her. Like the the album did really well. And at this point, she's sort of like partnered up with like the like A.G. Cook, Charlie XCX sort of um, like dance pop cabal that's happening. And she Uh had been on Charlie XCX's Pop 2. Like she has sort of moved into like the weird pop mode of her career. And So Hot was a single off of that. And the single, you know, was very popular amongst fans who had gravitated towards towards the album. It wasn't a, you know, big top 40 hit, but the song, I think, you know, sort of gained a lot of clout. It was on a lot of year-end lists. Pang was on a lot of year-end lists. Um, Her new song, Bunny is a Writer, very famously, ended up as number one on Pitchfork's um, best songs of 2021, which was, people were, uh, it was a little controversial, but it's a good song. Um, And the video itself, like Caroline Polachek, um, me and one of our former colleagues, Claire Schaefer, were talking about this when we saw her in, we saw her in early December at Terminal 5. She has like very like elf girl aesthetic. Like she has like mm-hmm. this very sort of like, you know, um, like Lord of the Rings. Like she looks like she's like a like an extra in Lord of the Rings almost and kind of dresses like that and seems to embrace that. Like in a Grimes and, way or in like a more subdued way? Um, in a more subdued way, mm-hmm. I would say. Um and it's just kind of like, I don't know, there's some, there's a vibe about her that is like elf girl realness. And she, the video for So Hot is like her in this like kind of fiery, um, fantastical set. And she's doing a lot of soft choreo to the song. Mm-hmm. And the soft choreo is all over TikTok, which is appropriate for our previous conversation about soft choreography and the Hillary Duffness of of TikTok dances currently. But this one is very specifically the dance kind of moves from the, this like pensive perch. And then she's doing like this like pantomime of her doing like a seppuku. And then she like does some hip swerves. It's very easy. It's a little square dance. Seppuku um, isn't like disembowelment. Isn't that like when you stab yourself? Yeah, it's when you di- it's literally when you take your intestines out of your body. Yeah, it's like it literally looks like looks like she's stabbing herself. <laughs> <laughs> That's the dance. Because <laughs> it's That's you're so dance. hot. You're hurting her feelings, so she's stabbing herself. You're disemboweling yourself because they're so hot. Yeah. Okay, and all right, got it. <laughs> so there was one video that I had seen kind of early on from the user 333Blair333 doing the dance and captioning it with queer people learn Caroline Polachek's square dance in order to identify each other in hell. And then we've seen, like, Cami Mendez and Charlie XCX participate in the trend. And, of course, Caroline herself has hopped on TikTok to do the dance and has duetted a bunch of people with it. What's interesting, though, is, of course, with this sort of great clout comes a wave of cancellation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Caroline was called out by some users for being problematic in the past. Users pointed out her feud with the singer Kalela, um, who in the last week had her 
Twitter hacked. I don't know if you saw all of that, but basically people were trying to sell PS5s from her Twitter. It was very, she has her Twitter back now, but it was a lot. Uh Um, And Kalayla had called out Caroline, who was a white woman, for posting a screenshot of a Kanye song on her Instagram story and quoting one of one of the lyrics without censoring the N-word. And others claim that she had once said she was made uncomfortable by a Black woman in her yoga class and that she ripped off Haim. But the user Sam Yeet sort of, you know, he took a lot of this to task. He duetted someone who basically said that all these things are reasons to not listen to Caroline. Um, and also that those three things are, for starters, not equal. But he also points out that the yoga controversy was actually proven completely false. It was just spreading really rapidly on TikTok and online. It was not Caroline who had ever said that. It was not connected to her. She was being canceled for something that she had literally never done. Now saying you're uncomfortable with having a black woman in your yoga class is far worse. But she didn't say that. Posting an unsubstantiated claim that someone did something terribly racist and then going, oopsie, it actually wasn't them, but refusing to remove your post is just slander. What the user Sam Yeet had pointed out is that this was a fact-checkable thing. Like, if people had just Googled it, they would see that she had not done that. Um, As for the N-word quote, he makes a case that, because she had also apologized about it, Mm -hmm. um, that it's on the lower level of racist activity to cancel someone for. She hadn't said it. She just basically written out the lyric of the song in her Instagram post. Right. And also the Heim thing, I think it's because of So Hot, but also like this is a sound that has existed in Caroline's music and also in other music previous to Heim. It's a weird thing to sort of say that she ripped off the band with this song. I wasn't really entirely sure if there was any other basis for that. It's a weird thing, but also unequal to even those two other things that also are don't even matter. But more than anything, this unsuccessful unsuccessful milkshake duck situation is another case of how internet poisoned our brains are and that we can't enjoy something as simple as a little square dance set to a fun song. And I, for one, am not letting a poorly supported rage cycle ruin an absolute bop, and neither should you. I'm surprised she wasn't canceled for the choreography that integrated Japanese ritual disembowelment. <laughs> I don't think that's why she did. I just I decided to call it that because. Oh, so we should cancel. We should cancel you and not her. For making for I'm making canceled. that comparison, I'm canceled. Okay, well, <laughs> it, it, it was inevitable that one or both of us would be canceled throughout throughout this recording of this podcast. So I, I guess it's happening now. Um, so I I don't know. Well, you do know about this about me. This isn't a surprise to, <laughs> to you that there's nothing I love more than niche subculture drama on social media. We've, no. we've talked about this in the past. There was a whole acrylic yarn community mm-hmm. drama, a few, ep- but did we, did we cut that? I couldn't remember. I think we cut it. I think we did cut it. Yeah. So basically, Brittany and I talked about, um, there was this TikTok where somebody posted some tips about how to do like a craft with acrylic yarn and everybody in like the yarn community with the crocheting community went after them because what was she doing? She was like putting heat on acrylic yarn. She's making pot holders and you can't, you can't put heat on. Right. So it's like a a fire hazard to use, make, basically they aren't functional pot holders. Right. So that was the backlash that it was a safety hazard. And then the backlash to the backlash was that people who were pointing out the backlash were being classist because acrylic yarn is significantly cheaper than other types of yarn. And it just went on and on and on. And we also talked about, um, there was this drama on uh, this Facebook page where people pretended to be worker ants. Um, and, you know, there was 
some internal tension in the community because the language on that page was considered ableist. I mean, you know, basically what we were talking about earlier, like another poorly supported like cancellation cycle going on in yeah. these little communities. But nothing is more fun for me to watch than this. And so imagine how fucking blessed I felt to be graced with Disney adult drama on my timeline. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. So D Disney adult is a thing that's been like is a, is is a term that's been going around in the vernacular for a while. I mean, how would you sort of like describe a Disney adult, Brittany? I unfortunately have many Disney adults in my life and had <laughs> previously dated a Disney adult. <laughs> oh, you dated a Disney adult. <laughs> I just dated a Disney adult. Not the best um, decision I've ever made, but it's basically people who are obsessed with the parks, obsessed with like. You know, it's, they carry the their love for Disney into adulthood and turn it into a hobby. So sometimes they, like, collect Funko Pop. I have a cousin who, like, collects, like, Disney Funko Pops. Like, that's, like... Or I guess all Funko Pops are Disney. I don't know. I've never had one in my life. But, I like, don't know. I'm not that deep into it that I would know. Yeah. Like, they, like, collect <laughs> the merch. Do. Like, I actually had a, an old roommate who, like, really was into, like, you know, like, Disney for adult jewelry and, like, like different lines and stuff like that that are like, you know, wear this like necklace that looks like Ariel's necklace. I don't know. Stuff like that. I'm not familiar enough with the movies in that way to know why this merch existed. But they're also really obsessed with the parks. That's a big part of it is like they have like timeshares. They go to Disneyland. They go to Disney World. They go to all the parks. Um, they, they love they love to be in the presence of Disney characters and they're very familiar with the ins and outs of of the adult Disney world. Yeah, it's a very large community. I would consider myself, like, on the scale of Disney adults, uh, you know, I would consider myself maybe, like, a step or two below that, but only because, like, <laughs> I have a partner who prevents me from going full-blown Disney adult, like, who hates the parks and who I hates Disney. I actually did not know this about you, EJ. I did not realize that you were, you oh. were so close to becoming a Disney adult. I love Disney. <laughs> I love the parks. Like I've been there actually, like this is not an exaggeration more times than I can count. But saying that to other Disney adults is not impressive because there are Disney adults who go like on a weekly basis or who relocate to Orlando or to Anaheim just so they can go every yeah. week and get like a season pass. Like these people are committed. Yes. I'm, I, I am familiar. I'm familiar with their commitment to it. So right before New Year's, I see this video going viral. This is mostly a video for the creators and vloggers who think they're friends with characters. 
And therefore, these kind of videos are okay for them to make because they know the performer. I wish you could see what these performers write about you or DM me about you. Every single performer I know hates character content. And if you watch a video and you're not a Disney adult, and you're not going to understand, so I'm, I'm just going to unpack it for you. Basically, there's this former cast member, which is uh, what Disney calls its employees, called Sarah Daniels. And she used to be a friend of uh, various Disney princesses. Do you know what a friend of being a friend of means? I do not. <laughs> so it means it's Disney parlance for the actors who play these characters because they want to keep up the mystique that it's actually Jasmine or actually Sleeping Beauty or actually... Uh, Mulan or Princess Tiana. So if you are the actor who plays the characters, you say, oh, I'm a friend of those characters. You don't say I play them. You say I'm a friend of them. Mm -hmm. So and people still say this, like even long after they've left the parks and their jobs in the parks. So and she gives tips on how to audition and tell stories about her time with the company and stuff. It's an incredibly competitive gig. I actually auditioned for a Disney princess gig and wrote about my experience a few years back. Um, I will link to it in the show notes, but there's a lot of problematic shit about it that I found out. Like their emphasis on verisimilitude is such that, you know, they don't cast people of color to play white mm. characters. They will reweigh you obsessively to make sure that you still fit into the outfits after your cast. Like the one thing that they stress is they are trained to never, ever, 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 ever break character under any circumstances. Mm. And what has happened is there's this huge subgenre of content of vloggers and content creators who exist solely to throw these characters off their game and try to get them to trip up on camera. Um, and there's this guy named Jojo Crichton, for instance, who does this. He flirts with the princesses. Jasmine, Flirting with Jasmine. I could show you the world, but you already own a mirror. That was good, right? That, that was good, right? Um, there was a video that went viral last Christmas. Um, it isn't Disney, but it's Disney adjacent where someone asked the Grinch if they can be their baby daddy. Um, someone went viral for asking Captain Marvel if they supported gay rights. Can you say gay rights? I, I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> That's okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And to a certain extent, this is like somewhat harmless on its face, right? Like, yeah, these are trained actors asking the Grinch if he can be your baby daddy is kind of funny. But then it's you like have people going to like um, Buckingham Palace and trying to like like get the attention of the the guards there, the very stoic guards. Yeah, I, I think that's a good comparison. Um, I think that's a good comparison, especially when you consider that the Buckingham Palace guards probably aren't paid much. And yeah. these people are paid, these Disney characters are paid like eleven ninety five an hour. If somebody is caught saying something that's not considered in character, you know, that's, that's their job at stake. Like, they'll be fired. So yeah. there's a lot of controversy in the community right now among Disney cast members who are going off on these creators who are capitalizing off face off these characters' labor. Mm -hmm. These people are getting like millions and millions of views and probably making a fair amount of money off this and the, and the Disney performers aren't seeing a single penny. Yeah. But mostly I just love that Disney adults on TikTok are inadvertently kicking off a conversation about labor rights. Yeah. Yeah, good for that. I mean, yeah, I think it like sucks, especially just because... Like you said, like they're not they're not paid well and like they could lose their jobs if yeah. they are thrown off. Like that's I don't know, I think that's like a shitty position to put something that ostensibly you love going to Disney. You're, if you're making these videos enough, you enjoy going to Disney enough to like continue paying to go to the park and film these videos. Like it's just really shitty to do that to 
to people. But have you seen this trend of um, creators like they're in the supermarket and they throw down like milk and juice cartons as hard as they can and then they oh like, yeah that's an old trend yeah that slip was and slide. like yeah I mean that's like I mean that sort of um store pranks were such a big YouTube thing I remember when I was in middle school and high school like that was like such a big popular type of a video was like people doing dumb pranks that ended up you know when you're 14 don't realize will end up being like really awful for the people who work there and like yeah you know, exactly. involves, like for people who are super underpaid already and like suddenly have to like clean up a mess created by a bunch of like idiot teenagers um so that was like such a big pop like that was popular forever yeah I mean I, th- I think that's sort of the more extreme example of how pranks and stunts on YouTube and TikTok like how building this culture sort of creates an ecosystem where, you know, extremely low paid workers are, you know, affected by this and have to yeah. you know, clean up the mess, even as you, the creator, are, you know, gaining clout and millions and millions of views and getting rich off this. And I think I think that applies to basically any YouTuber who traffics yeah. in pranks or stunts. I mean, any viral con. I mean, if you think of like even um, the best Vine content, so much of that was sort of destructive like I think like back at it again at Krispy Kreme which is the best vine but also it involved like literally breaking something out of Krispy Kreme like it was like (laughs) I mean that's an incredible vine but yeah somebody's gonna have to pick up that sign that he knocked down yeah yeah so EJ do you want to tell us what straight people are doing yeah yeah let's go into let's go into straight people (laughs) straight people speaking of Disneyland a few days ago Kim Kardashian posts a picture of her daughter, Chicago, with Chloe's daughter, True, at Disneyland. Did mm-hmm. you did you see this pic when it was posted? Yes. It's a cute yes. pic. Cute, but the pic is photoshopped. It's like yes. some of the most worst, worst Photoshop I've ever seen in my entire life. For people who are quote unquote billionaires, it is one of the most like obvious Photoshop photos. So you immediately clocked it as a Photoshop photo. Immediately. Like it's not, (laughs) there's nothing. It's literally so horribly done. So, so did this user, Maya Chondrial Membrane. Uh, She, she also clocked that it was immediately Photoshopped and she posted this video. I would genuinely like to know why this family is so fucking weird. So earlier Kim posted this photo and when I first looked at it, I instantly knew something was off. True just looks obviously photoshopped and like she's not really there, but I thought maybe I was crazy. But then this lovely Instagram page revealed that I am not crazy. True is photoshopped. And there was this other, uh, you know, fan account that kind of confirmed that it was photoshopped because they found the original source of the photo. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, Kylie Jenner's daughter, Stormy, who was in the original photo. And Kim or somebody apparently photoshopped a photo of True on top of Stormy. So can you please explain why on earth somebody would do this? So there are a lot of theories. I mean, first off, the Kardashians are no stranger to like weirdly photoshopping people into photos. I remember there was like some Christmas card controversies where they had like photoshopped in Kanye or someone else into the group photo. So, you know, it's just like they, they've done this before. But with this one, it just seemed a little bit off for this very specific type of photo of the two kids hanging out. There seemed to be no need for the photo. It seemed weird to 
of all things, put True into the photo over Stormy instead of just posting a photo of Stormy and and Chicago hanging out at Disneyland. But some of the theories were that this was a distraction, which is also very, very possible because this is another thing that the Kardashians love is they love a, a public distraction to drum up controversy somewhere else to distract from another controversy. So at this around the same time that this photo was posted by Kim and it started to confuse people about why True looked so obviously photoshopped into it, Travis Scott made his return to Instagram and, you know, he posted this very pensive black and white photo. And this was the first time he had posted since the Astroworld tragedy had happened um, and also his very controversial response to it and poor response to it, Kylie commenting with hearts on his post. Um, you know, it's it's a very it's a very strange thing, though. I mean, it's also comes right before the Tristan Thompson apology to Chloe on Instagram, um, which right. just happened a few days after this photo was posted. I don't know how connected it is because it seems like that that doesn't the apology that Tristan posted did not seem like a very Chris Jenner thing to do because it apologized for embarrassing Chloe by impregnating another woman that he at first denied that he impregnated, but then a paternity test proved that he had impregnated his third child, um, impregnated his third, like, partner with his third child. Um, But it seemed to embarrass Chloe even more. So, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. I, I I can't even try to understand their motivations anymore. Like, their motivations don't make sense to me anymore. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Like, why on earth would a photo of Stormy dated from October? This photo was taken in October, and it was posted in late December. Why on earth would a photo of Stormy distract from Travis Scott's return to Instagram? Or why on earth would a photo of True, like, why would you Photoshop this this photo of True onto a pre-existing photo to just like that, this that makes more sense to me. Like if they were if they had foreseen this Tristan Thompson apology to yeah. Chloe and they wanted they maybe maybe Chris Jenner was like, okay, so let's post this existing photo that we have of, you know, Kim's kid and let's put true onto it. So maybe everybody all the lifestyle outlets outlets will gush over this photo of true instead of focusing on Tristan Thompson's apology. Like, that makes a little bit more sense to me. But it's also, but also insane, because how how it, on earth would that distract from it? It is insane, too, because it's just, like, they all live next to each other, right? Like, there are a million photos of True with the other kids. It's not like True has never been photographed with, like, her cousins, you know? Like, there are so many photos of True and, and like, Chicago and North and, like, the other... I don't even remember all their names. Anyway... There's like, it's not like there aren't other photos of True and the other kids. It's not like they've, she's been like mysteriously missing from photos before. Like she's, she's in a lot of them. Why not just post an old throwback photo or why not like take a new photo? Why not just do something else? Like it's so, so, so weird to have done that because it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Like there's no logical explanation. It doesn't make any sense. I think it's the weirdest thing that they've ever done. Honestly, and it's still up. It's like, it's so, it's so baffling. Like, it's so confusing because it's not even, there are so many other things they could have done, right? Like, there's so many things happening right now in the Kardashian extended universe that would just be a better distraction. North Kim is Pete. on TikTok. 
Yes, Kim and Pete, first off. Courtney um, and Travis are engaged. Courtney and Travis. I mean, but, you know, like they like they could just post another photo of them half naked making out. Like that would have been a better distraction. That would have been a much easier better distraction. To do. Kylie and Travis um, are expecting their second kid. I mean, I don't know how much attention they want on that. But like, you know, that's happening. And, you know, there's just so like there's so many other things. Kanye's dating Julia Fox, which, as you know, I'm obsessed with. But yeah, I don't know. I think there's just so many other things happening. It's so, it is literally so baffling to me that that was what they chose to do. And the motivation just seemed, none of it makes sense. None of it's clicking for me. I mean, speaking as a parent, I would be so offended if I were Kylie. And I would maybe even be more offended if I were Chloe. Honestly. Like, was (laughs) it that, I don't know. I mean, there's been sort of discussion of like, them putting filters on their kids and things like that. Like, you know, that's been sort of a a soft controversy and also like not totally always kind of like, I don't know, they put filters on all their photos and everything, but especially like, like there are filters also on their kids in the photos. So I wonder like, was it like Kylie didn't want the photos of Stormy and Kim really wanted to post the photos of, of Chicago like, I don't know. Like, what's going on in their brains that I, made that I make have, sense? I have no idea. If I were a parent and I had taken a picture and I saw that somebody else had posted, well, I am a parent. <laughs> there's no <laughs> there's no hypothetical here. I am a parent. But if I saw that somebody posted a picture that my son was originally in and photoshopped another kid on it, I would fucking lose my shit. Yeah. I, I would lose my mind. And if I saw... And if I saw, like, the photo was intact, but somebody had, like, edited the photo to make my child seem cuter in some way, that would yeah. be even worse. Like, yeah. I just don't understand what is going on in these people's heads. I don't know. It literally, none of it, none of it makes sense. It is, like, there's even, again, like, even the distraction excuse just doesn't, it doesn't fully click. Like, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't it draw more attention to Kylie and Travis to Photoshop out Stormy. Like, it's not like they photoshopped out a photo, like, Penelope. I, I don't know. Nobody has any idea what's going on. Nobody has made being weird and heterosexual an art form quite like the Kardashians. And honestly, I'm proud of them. Yeah. In a way. Are you? In a way. <laughs> in a way. They, I, they've really taken, like, heteronormativity to, like, a performance. They've really yeah. elevated it to like a performance, to like a weird, toxic, confusing performance. It's kind yeah. of impressive. You kind of have to give them props. For sure. That. Sure. You know, I'll give them a little bit. <laughs> but speaking of toxic heteronormativity, um, before I was addicted to Instagram and TikTok, I was uh, a Tumblr teen well into my 20s. And I mostly used it for fandom purposes, but I also really love the aesthetic of Tumblr. Were you were you an avid Tumblr user, EJ? Yes. <laughs> okay. So you're familiar with the Tumblr aesthetic of the I of try, the I, I try not I try not to think about it. I try not to think about it honestly because it embarrasses me too much. Yeah. It's, it's so the, my I mean, Tumblr's thankfully archived. Yeah. So I mean, of course, like I was on Tumblr at a time of like peak twee. You know, I was I started Tumblr around the age of like, like Zoe De Chanel, sort of being like a real big fashion icon. Five Hundred Days of Summer had a weird grip on America at that point. Like, you know, it's very indie music, festival core, early Coachella. And by the time that I was sort of like 
towards the my final years on Tumblr, there was a new aesthetic that really emerged that was sort of soft grunge. There's a lot of like black and white photos. Um, if you've ever seen the show Skins, very like mm-hmm. Skins core, um, lots of like Arctic monkeys in 1975, like very, very soft grunge 2014 aesthetic, like denim jackets, deep side parts, Doc Martens, lots of black. So in a newish Vogue article, a writer makes a case that the 2014 Tumblr aesthetic is making a huge comeback thanks to TikTok. Um, and also had there was another case made that also that twee aesthetic of those early years of like the Zoe de Chanel core kind of like weird 50s fashion retro nostalgia, but like make it ballet flats and like white tights is also coming back. So if you remember a few months ago, there was a trend anal- analyst on the app named Mandy Lee who pointed out a resurgence of the indie sleaze look, which is very early aughts, American apparel, electro clash. NYC kind of style that was happening on the app and on Gen Z fashion choices. So there isn't really a, it's a very short path between indie sleeves and Tumblr aesthetic. They're kind of very, very similar, very aspirational, very kind of like, you know, skinny girl core of like looks and just general vibe. Um, Very like festival-y, very, very just, I don't know. Yeah. Like you spend way too much time like venerating the work of Dove Charney. Yeah, it was like kind of the aesthetic. We should all be thankful Instagram did not exist at the time, is yeah. basically what. <laughs> so, and you know, it's also makes sense because a lot of these aesthetics really never left, especially 2014 Tumblr Core. I mean, that was only eight years ago. And so I feel like the people like me who were big on that aesthetic and loved it really just kind of always kept it. It's very soft goth, very like, you know, it's very classic. It's just like lots of black, like lots of sort of classic pieces, but make them moody and add like a cigarette and a black and white photo. And, you know, a lot of those kids are are now entering their 30s. And again, eight years later, still have a closet full of those fits based off of that Tumblr aesthetic. And the writer Arabelle Sicardi tweeted that the Tumblr girls are just actresses and editors now and their followers are on TikTok doing what we did before them. We were never gone, just booked and busy. So, I mean, given that this nostalgia cycle is now even shorter than any of the other ones, again, this was only eight years ago um, that 2014 happened and mm-hmm. that this aesthetic existed. It's not that long ago. Uh, it was only literally 20, like two years before Trump was elected. That's an insane amount of time to yeah. now have nostalgia for. So if you blink now, the next trend will be like what, whatever was popular in 2019. But I don't know what that was because I was still dressing like I was in 2014. So, yeah, I am I never stopped dressing like the Tumblr girlies. Yeah. I mean, I loved I loved the Tumblr. I, I followed so many of those like dumb aesthetic accounts on Tumblr that were just like photos of like, you know, rainy windows outside of bookstores, you know, and like girls like smoking in Paris for whatever, you know, it's just stupid stuff like that. Yeah. Like black ripped tights, like short dresses and like big chunky boots. Yeah. I never stopped dressing like that. It's like a photo of just like your Converse sneakers and a cup of black coffee. You know, it's just like all that, all that dumb shit. Love those photos. Ate them up, reblogged them all the time. I'm reading um, Chuck Klosterman's book right now um, about the nineties. And he basically makes the point that like the styles Whatever is popular at a given time, like the current generation always venerates the style of whatever came 20 years before it. Yeah. Like um, like in the 90s, people wore bell bottoms and crop tops. Yeah. And, you know, for a time, people were dressing like, uh, you know, Paris Hilton when she was out clubbing at like Marquis. 
And I just, I feel like you're so right that like, it's just that, that 20 year window is just getting shorter and shorter now. People are just, have such yeah. short attention spans. And the thing to think about too, is that like that Tumblr aesthetic was literally just a rehashed version of the grunge aesthetic. It is literally soft grunge. Like it's, that was the early nineties. Like that was the look, you know, it was a lot of like sort of, it was just a, I think like a higher femme version of like early nineties kind of grunge looks. Yeah. And I don't think anybody then would have argued that it was original either. Yeah. And so that's kind of the funny part because it's sort of a mixture of some of the night, like more like purely nineties trends that have taken off for Gen Z and also like millennials, you know, it's still like a big part of like millennial and Gen Z culture of dressing very nineties, but the soft grunge look is kind of a very specific era of internet culture. That's combining that nineties fashion trend with um, internet nostalgia, which again is getting very short. I think people kind of look to like earlier portions of the internet to relive because being on Tumblr was a simpler time, especially if you were just following aesthetic accounts. Like we're all going to probably move to like Pinterest soon, which I already kind of have. (laughs) But you know what this means? This means that skinny jeans are back, are going to be back. I'm not, I'm not accepting that. I love, I love a wide leg jean. I, I, love I a, do too. I love a big pant. I love a big pant with a tiny top. That's I, my favorite kind of look. I do too, but that's going to be out. And then the skinny jeans and the voluminous blouses are going to be back in because that's what was in in like the early 2010s. I'm not accepting that portion of it. I mean, I don't know. Skinny jeans were fine. Like they were just kind of uncomfortable. It's hard to do a lot in skinny jeans. Like this is great news for the millennials who got all pissed off and were like tweeting, oh, the zoomers yeah. can take the, my skinny jeans out of my cold dead oh, hands and we're being was... embarrassing about it so insufferable i was just like please get a hobby like anything (laughs) anything that's not caring so much about having skinny jeans but yeah like it's very i mean i'm sure it will come back and i do again i love the 2014 tumblr aesthetic i'm i hope that the full-on like early 2010s twee aesthetic does not come back because the outfits were god awful it has come back it's cottagecore that's cottagecore zoe deschanel is kind of yeah the, the 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 fucking teacup dresses yeah. and the okay that makes sense cozy sweaters I do and like the bows core. yeah it's the cottagecore no- is like an elevated version of that like that like full on like again remember remember ballet flats I do unfortunately I that's all I wore my first three years in New York I just wore ballet flats ripped up my feet walking around the city did you were, were you struck by we promised ourselves we wouldn't talk about the Sex in the City reboot, <laughs> but were you struck by the part where um, where Carrie's like, I've never worn flats in my life. Like, I've never had a flat shoe in my life. And it's like, bitch, weren't the you tom- around in 2010? But she said the Tom. That's what I loved that. I loved when she had mentioned the Toms, though. She said the only sneaker that she'd ever owned was Toms because it made her feel like a good person. Did she and ever wear Toms funny. on the show? No, no, no. I don't think. Well, because I mean, you know, at the end of the episode, she's, I mean, spoiler alert, but she gets back in her heels after her, she recovers from her hip surgery. <laughs> so we did not see her in them. We can't talk about the show. <laughs> that's another, well, we- that's going to be a very special episode where EJ and I just dissect the entire season of Anne just like that, which I honestly, maybe we should when it's over. We, we should of- we should kind of do recaps. I have been devouring recaps on TikTok. Like some of them are very funny, but um, let's do himbo. Are you ready for himbo? Let's do himbo. Himbo. 
So our Himbo of the Week award is uh, somebody that Brittany was fortunate enough to find. So I think you should do the honors at introducing him. Okay, so I have become obsessed with the user Mr. Papa 85 um, He is a geriatric gentleman who makes content on TikTok that he very explicitly labels adults only. And he's just like, you know, very, it's very horny content. If you want to make love, then I, su- I suggest you go somewhere and fall in love. But if you want to get your ass dragged, if you want to get your half pulled and choked and called all kind of goddamn names and popped all on your ass and get the, your back beat out and goddamn, just goddamn go through a, a motherfucking situation. He is just saying that he like, you know, he's giving a little 50 shades. He's saying that if you want to find love, go find love. But if you want to get your ass dragged, you gotta go to Mr. Papa. And I'm obsessed with him. And he also, I think it's important to note that he very explicitly labels his channel adults only. Yeah. And it's not like, it's it's not like pornographic content. It's just him like talking about like, you know, sexually explicit things like in his car. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason for him to label it as such. It's just him monologuing. On, on various subjects. Like, um, you know, he talks about how his grand, his grandson, you know, was saying that he got this girl pregnant, but he couldn't have gotten her pregnant because yeah. they only had oral sex and you can't get pregnant via oral sex, which is true as far as I know. Well, well oral sex. He says, so, uh, you know, let, unless I can get her pregnant with my tongue, that's the only way she's pregnant by me, granddad. And I just look. Um, I don't think it's inaccurate. Um, you know, he he caters to the IBS community. I stumbled across your photograph. And the shit kind of just made me laugh. I remember I was beating your back guy. And your big old nasty ass pass gas. Um, he he caters to the evangelical community. But if accepting Jesus is gonna empower me to plant my foot in somebody's ass. Wherever it's needed, then I'm in. I'm all in. Like, the more I watched his content, the more I think that he would actually be a viable candidate for the, pre- for the presidency. Like, he's, he's got all of these demographics on lock. Yeah. I, I'd vote for Mr. Papa 85. Absolutely. We have to beat Trump in 2024. And our current uh, prospect isn't cutting it. Yeah. Let's, let's, we're, we're on the Mr. Papa platform now. He does have, I should say, with one caveat, he does have like a soft homophobic lip dub of a full metal jacket scene on his channel. Oh. So as long as he deletes that. Then uh, you need a clean, clean slate of Mr. Papa just being horny. He should hire us as his campaign managers because that's that's what I would say when we first took take our meeting. Like, listen, you know, I went through your socials. It's all great. It's all really solid <laughs> stuff, but you got to get rid of the soft homophobic uh, full metal jacket lip dub. And he'd be like, okay. And then I'd be like, great. I think that you, you know, have a luck. I do also, I appreciate that it's like for the adult content, it's not 18 plus, it's be 21 or be gone. <laughs> He's like, you need to be of legal drinking age in America before you watch these videos. <laughs> That's not even the requirement for your average, like hardcore porn site. But for Mr. Papa, maybe he's more hardcore than the most hardcore porn you can have. <laughs> I think that's what he's suggesting. <laughs> anyway, we should have him on, probably. Yes. 
Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop This Week in TikTok, brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network. Written and hosted by me, Brittany Spanos, and EJ Dixon. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Chelsea, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul. Edited by Dan Stein. And original music composed by Daniel Mertzleft. 